Imagine loving your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I'm so glad to be here with you for this week's episode, which is all about one woman's really interesting journey out of corporate and into a really different and more fulfilling phase of life and a much more peaceful one. I'm super excited to introduce you to Jennifer Forster. Jennifer was a goal-setting, box-ticking high achiever. She navigated entrepreneurial planes as a multiple business owner, solo parented two children, pioneered change for women abroad, succeeded as a competitive sports person, and adventured globally. And in the middle of it all, she was underwhelmed, unfulfilled, and miserable. I bet you can relate. She says, that from the outside looking in, her life was shiny and impressive, but her internal experience was anything but. This conversation is about Jen's story out of unconscious chaos into living powerfully and peacefully in all areas of her life. Jen's got a really interesting story to tell, and she does so in this new book, The Power of a Peaceful Woman, 49 Ways to Drop the Armor and Diffuse the Drama. (laughs) So good, right? The way Jen describes it, her life was remarkably unremarkable. She didn't think she had a right to complain, but most days she found herself drowning in drama. Not the tragic, traumatic kind, the day-to-day kind of drama that she sees so many women also drowning in. She was on that treadmill of life and felt that there was never enough time, enough money, and enough of her. Then she made a big move, something that you might be fantasizing about yourself. She did it. She made a big, scary change with no clear plan forward. That's where so many of us get hung up. We want everything crystal clear. We want a roadmap. We want a guarantee that everything is going to be fine. (laughs) But she did it. And I got to tell you, I love talking to Jennifer. Her beliefs sync up with the main message of this podcast, that you have a lot of untapped wisdom within, but you're pretty disconnected, so it can be very hard to tap into it. As usual, awareness is the key. You're going to love this interview, and she's got a cool Australian accent too. (laughs) So enjoy. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Susie, thank you so much for having me. I'm truly honored to be here. Super fun. I always love it when somebody from Australia crosses paths with me. (laughs) So jealous. I've never been. We're almost cousins. I think the Canadians and Australians have this real cousin-like affinity. (laughs) I love thinking about it that way. Well, I also love your story. And you know, when we met and you started to talk, we met online and you started to talk about the transition that you made after going through your 40s and turning 50. I knew I had to have you on the podcast. So you've done some really interesting things since you figured out how to be more fulfilled, but I want to zoom in to that period of time between 40 and 50 
where you were having a lot of um, insight that something had to change. Can you tell us a little bit about what your 40s were like? Well, it was right on the eve of my 40s that I had this, it, it was just this constant nudge in my body that uh, was not completely unfamiliar. I had, uh, I had felt it perhaps, oh gosh, maybe back going back when I was uh, 19 or 20, I, I got engaged to my high school sweetheart and I had an almost similar experience back then. I ended up calling off the, the engagement um, and leaving Tasmania and, and heading, you know, to the mainland of Australia. But it really, that, that it, it, and I guess I'd really, what I'd love to say right off the bat is if you, if anyone's listening and you know this nudge, this feeling that I'm talking about, you'll also know it doesn't go away. You can, you can do a whole bunch of things to try and push it down, suppress it but it is there and it will continue to sort of push back. So it was, yeah, right on the edge of my 40s and I was married, two little kids. Uh, we both had successful you know, careers and beautiful home on the Sunshine Coast in Australia, but I had this incessant nagging deep down that just kept saying, not this, not this. You know, from the outside looking in, we were that perfect family of four, you know, mum, dad, son, daughter, um, living the dream. But on the inside, for me, I wasn't living the dream. I didn't know what that was, but I just knew not this. So that was the, the perhaps the first real pivotal um, uh, move for me, which really set me on a on what would become a 10-year quest of, of unpacking that and, and peeling back the layers and sometimes trying to go back to the, that old version of me but still being pushed to, to keep unravelling and keep really digging down to the truth of who I was. That's what I think was constantly... Uh, that's the, the 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 nudge, the pushing that just kept being in, you know, that, that is, and even now, honestly, even now, if I find myself going off track, uh, that comes up, that feeling will come up again. And I know it instantly. I'm so Now you know it. it. Now yeah. I know it. I'm so, so familiar with it. But back then, um, yeah, I really just, um, I just knew it as a feeling. And I remember when I made the decision to end uh, my marriage and leave my marriage, um, it was so shocking to everybody because we did appear to be this unit that had it all together. Um, but I, I did know. I knew deep down not this. So, so that was a very scary decision to make. And I remember sitting at my desk a couple of weeks after making the decision I was working as a childcare coordinator at the time and I was literally having what I would now call a panic attack and my colleague was with me and chatting to me and I, I, I just I couldn't understand how I could feel so sure and so off course all in the one breath you know I was so certain that that this was the right decision but when I looked to my future all I could see was white fog it just was, you know, it was really, um, 
scary. It was a scary thought. But I knew it was the right decision. As scary as it was, I knew I'd made the right decision. So, yeah, Yeah. then the process began of rediscovering who I was. I discovered I could be midway through a conversation with someone and I would literally pause myself and say, you know what, that, that's actually not what I believe. It's what I used to believe, but let me think on that. You know, so I would just banter away in a conversation and then go, no, actually, no, that's not what I think. Oh, let I love think that. About, yeah, so I this love whole, that. Yeah, this whole new getting to know me and, and, re- and really rediscovering, I think, who I always was. And why do you think, why do you think it was so uh, far away from your awareness at that point of your life? Why were you so disconnected? Like, that's what I find so interesting. Now, you know so well what that feeling was. And back then, you'd probably felt it for a while and didn't really Mm. understand it. I Mm. call it a midlife funk when just something is off and you don't Mm. really know what it is for a while. Like, I was all funky for five years. So why do you think that it was so inaccessible for you? I think it's inaccessible because the world tells us how we are meant to be. So I think, I think why it takes us to our 40s to, to really begin to want to have a look is because I think we come out of high school, we have all this conditioning women are supposed to, and I don't believe this or aspire to this, but but there is this conditioning that you leave high school, you get the career or you go to college, get the career, then you meet the man and then you have the family and you become this superwoman that just can do it all. And you're this amazing human that can just juggle everything. And I think that's not who we are. I think it can be. But I, I think it's not necessarily who we all are here to be. I think there are a multitude of variations of that. But we're so conditioned. It's like I describe it as the world keeps putting clothes on you. You keep getting these clothes put on you that are not yours. You didn't really choose them. But, you know, you've got a shirt on you that's not yours and then you've got a jumper or a sweater you guys say on you that's not yours and then you've got coats on you that aren't yours and but suddenly you're wearing this whole outfit that isn't yours and you didn't choose it but you're in it now and it's like well now what do I do I'm now wearing this I don't even know where to begin to start and 20 years and 20 years goes by and it's like whoa what's going on yeah Yeah, and even if you do and even if you do take it all off who would you be that can you know that to me if anything was going to be the the thing that stopped me it would have been well I don't know who I would be if I took all this these layers off who would I be right right exactly it can be really confusing but you had the courage to keep moving forward which Mm -hmm. is amazing and what do you think the thought was that helped you feel that courageous? I think deep down I knew I was worthy of a happiness that I currently and had not for a long time experienced. And it wasn't that I wasn't happy. It wasn't that I didn't love my children or love myself, but there was this deeper happiness 
that I knew that I wasn't experiencing, but I knew that it was my duty or my life or my um, it was it was my quest. It was for me to experience. It was for me to experience, but I wasn't. It's just this, yeah, this this really deep joy and happiness that, and peace, which is you know what I the title of my book, the power of a peaceful woman. I I really had never associated that those two words could even go together. That that being peaceful had a power to it, mm. but it does. It has an 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 intense power to it. But that's that that's that that deep joy and happiness comes from that piece it it doesn't come from what you do or what you get or what or who you are it comes from that deep inner peace which only you can give you and I think that was a big part of it too Susie I think I I came to realize well how much more perfect could I make my life look you know I've got the, <laughs> the hubby I've got the two kids I've got the beautiful home and I'm still, I still have this void in me that, that these things are not fulfilling. Right. Um, so it sounds like you were on a, a quest. You started to say total. quest. Yeah. Like you were compelled to move forward. And then the other phase that you were going through, you have this huge corporate career. Tell us mm. a little bit about that because that seems now in hindsight, it seems like such a disconnect. Totally. So I was uh, at that time. My I was in my first business. I, I had started a, a retail store in a local tourist strip here on the Sunshine Coast, and that was my first business. But I didn't know what else I was good at, so I became a serial entrepreneur for a while, and went from that business to then starting my own health and fitness business. And then moving from that and then starting a, a magazine, an actual physical publication for a couple of years, um, and then went on to uh, create a business for a couple of uh, shareholders who could see that I was very good at the startup and, and making businesses profitable. And so they engaged me to start this, this company for them. And again, I would always get to this point in that where I would be saying, hmm, I'm still empty. This isn't it either. This is still not it. So um, it was almost like the marriage all over again. And this is what I, you know, to circle back to what I said at the start and anyone who's listening that is familiar with this, that feeling, it doesn't go away. and it doesn't necessarily just apply to one particular area of your life. That unfulfilled feeling will, will show up in other areas. So I think what I tried to do, I tried to fill that void um, by being this badass businesswoman, you know, I'll just yeah. do that. That will be the thing that makes me happy. And again, it was just swapping one external thing for another external thing um, and during yeah from from 40s to when I finally um, kind of it was like the universe shaking me on the eve of my 50th birthday and just going okay 
we've been at this for 10 years. We've been, we've been doing this deep work now for 10 years. Are you getting it now? <laughs> you know, are you getting it now? You still have that emptiness, right? You still have that thing that's not being fulfilled. Um, I love that something went down on your 50th birthday. Tell us a little yeah. bit more about that. Yeah, so I was, what, it was like I had reached this point where I'd gotten a look, a sneaky little look at what this peaceful power was. I was, um, I'd just come back from Saudi Arabia. I had been working in Saudi Arabia at that point and I was back prematurely because visas had been a problem and I was laying on a mattress on the floor of the spare room of my own home and in the room adjacent to me was my ex-husband and his fiancée sleeping peacefully and tomorrow I'm going to be 50. Now, if I presented that to any woman, this is how you're going to spend the eve of your 50th birthday. Um, I know even for myself, I truly, if I'd have gone back to 39-year-old me and said, hey, all that work we're doing, but we're still going to be like this on our 50th birthday, I would have punched her in the face, I'm sure, and said, what the hell? How do we screw that up? Come on. But there was also this, it was like the the cracking open of a door for me at that point because even though I was in that situation, and there's more to the story, I, I did I do have a very beautiful transform relationship with my ex-husband and his is my she's stepmom to my kids. She's an amazing woman. But I was in that moment laughing because of the way it would have appeared to anyone. And also I did have this sense of deep, deep, deep inner joy and happiness in that moment because I did feel a sense of certainty that I'd never felt before. And I did sense that I had created this, this happiness despite my circumstances. I had this deep inner happiness despite the current circumstances. So that was, as I said, there was just like the opening of a little door. I got a little sort of peek through into, a, into the world I wanted still hadn't quite yet um, created for myself. And then over the next um, 18 months, from there, I did end up, um, that was when I met the shareholders and started this company for them. And, and I was 18 months into that very successful corporate journey for them when I had this final moment um, where I just went, okay, I get it. I totally get it. And I was driving to work. And I was listening to a podcast interview, uh, 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 I think it was Oprah interviewing Michael Singer. So Michael Singer is the author of The Untethered Soul. And I, that is one book I recommend to every human being to read, The Untethered Soul. But he was talking about the chapter towards the end of the book and the chapter was about death and how death is such a... Uh, a tool for living if we can if we can use it we can it can teach us a lot about living really powerfully and he told this story he said imagine if the angel of death dropped down in front of you right now and said okay okay gear come on it's time to go you know clock's ticking let's go you're likely to want to say wait what now can I finish my coffee I, I, I'm just on my way to do this thing wait I've got this appointment later oh hang on I haven't done this 
look, can you give me one more week? I'll get everything wrapped up and I'll be ready for you in one more week. And of course, the angel of death is going to look at us completely bemused because they've heard it before. And they're going to say, but wait, I've given you 52 of those this past year alone. Why do you need one more? And when I heard that in the interview and I took stock very quickly in my mind and I realised where I was going, what I was going to be doing that day, who I was going to be doing it for, and it just, even now I get goosebumps at the thought because it shook me because I knew that I would totally be one of those people that said to the angel of death, can I have one more week? I knew I wasn't doing what I was here to do. I wasn't being who I was here to be. And the whole next day and the whole next couple of weeks, it just, it, I couldn't shake this feeling. You know, I'd be ordering lunch and going, hmm, is this really the lunch you want to order if the angel of death appears? You know, what I was wearing, who I was speaking to, just it, it just plagued me. And it was a couple of weeks after that that I ended up just handing in my resignation and just saying, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm leaving. And, of course, you know, they said, oh, that's great. Where are you going? We're really grateful. But all I could tell them was, I don't know. I don't know. And, yeah, so I resigned from my job not knowing at all what was coming next. You know but what, Jennifer, all... that's, that's happened to several of the women I've interviewed that mm. they never imagined in a million years that they would quit without a plan. But mm -hmm. not having a plan was exactly what they needed. It's exactly what I needed too. And it's, that was really, a, it, that was pivotal for me in, in a multitude of ways. And it taught me one of the, the biggest lessons for myself around what surrender is, what allowing really is, and what giving up control really is. And when you are a control freak, which I was, I'm a, um, I'm a recovering control freak because <laughs> she still rears her head. She still needs to know. She's still this serial. There's this, still this serial doer in me that um, that gets triggered really quickly if I'm if things aren't working. I want to try and force them to make them work. But again, I recognise her now too, very very quickly. And these days, when I don't know what to do, when I get into that feeling of and I'm sure the listeners are familiar with this as well, where, you know, you're in this, I don't know what to do. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? When I feel that in my body now, I do nothing because I know that anything I do from that, what do I do energy isn't the truth of who I am. It is a pattern that is, it, it's the old pattern that's been conditioned into me that survives life by doing and it isn't the truth of who I am. It isn't that, that surrender. It isn't surrender. Now, it doesn't mean, and I tell people all the time, I am not Zen Jen. I do not just sit on a cushion and chant om all day. I get it. I truly do get it. And I do do stuff, but I do it from a place of surrender. I make my choices and decisions now from that place of surrender, of allowing. And... There's an energy to that that is very different from the, I call it striving energy. When we're in that doing, 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 doing energy, I call it striving. We're, we're really 
pushing and striving and that has uh, an expiry date that energy can only come from you there's nowhere else that can come from so if you are trying to create your life from striving energy know that it's a finite energy source and it's finite because it comes from you and if you stop so does the momentum so does everything around you and I am sure the listeners are familiar with that you know that that phrase I have to keep going because if I don't keep going it's all going to fall apart if you've ever said that to yourself um, I would love to offer that you are in you're in striving energy it's not expansive it's not coming from the truth of who you are so for me now I look to ensure that I'm always moving from what I call expansive energy and expansive energy has this excitement to it it's not that I'm you know giddy like a child all the time but there's a there's an expansive exciting energy inside my body and if you're not familiar with what that might even be if anyone's listening and they're going I don't even know what that would be because I, I, I get that. I didn't always know either what it was. But no, I was going to ask you for an example. Yeah, a perfect way to know it is if, you, if you've ever sat and seen the sunrise or you've ever watched a sunset, there is a moment when that's occurring where you just go, you don't know why everything just feels amazing, but it just does. That is what that expansive feeling is. So. How do you get it? How do you get the expansive feeling? For me, it's making sure that I do what my heart wants to do. Now, that might sound a little bit peace, love, and mung beans, and it used to to me. And if you're a doer, that's going to be like, what? That's just, that's just so, we can't, that's just too woo woo. But when you are moving from your highest excitement, you are moving from what your heart wants to do. And your heart doesn't have an agenda, your heart is never looking for a result or an outcome. It's just moving in a direction that feels good. So sometimes when I feel myself getting off track, I will pause and I will just ask my heart, what do you want to do? Now, my heart, our hearts don't speak in paragraphs, don't speak in volumes, don't speak in chapters. It speaks in little one word whispers. And sometimes it might just be, um, go for a walk, go grab a glass of water have a rest, sit in the sun. It could be a multitude of things. And just taking those tiny little, doing those tiny little things are what put you back into that highest excitement, that, that the truth of who you are. It connects you back to that energy. And if you keep doing those little things that keep you in that energy, you will start to notice that you don't actually have to make a whole bunch of decisions anyway. A lot of stuff just starts to occur. Things just start to, to gravitate towards you. Decisions seem to just sort themselves. Um, yeah, I love that. Very, I think yeah. what you're also really getting at is, is trying to separate yourself from the big should and all yeah, of those totally. thoughts of what we should do and what we should do and just to give yourself that space to separate mm-hmm. yourself from that and ask you a mm. question, ask yourself mm. that question about what it is that you want. I love how you just also said that sometimes it's not a paragraph. It's never really a paragraph. Sometimes I, I see it as like a fleeting 
image or a fleeting sense. Always. And I can't really even describe it sometimes, but I know what mm. it is. It's that inner. Yes. Yeah. I'm really glad that you totally. pointed out it's not a paragraph. Yeah. yeah. It's not. Well, I always say, um, people say to me, you know, how can you tell if the, if which voice it is, you know, who you're listening to? Because to me, there are, there is the two voices. There's the egoic voice, the pattern, the identity, the conditioning. And then there is the, the, the truth of who you are, which comes from your heart. So to me, the way to distinguish which voice it is, the egoic voice, the patterning, that has an urgency to it. It's looking for an outcome. It's negotiating. If we do this, we'll get that. That's how you'll know that is not your heart speaking. If it is your heart, if it is the truth of who you are, the aligned you, the higher self, whichever words resonate for you, it is just a whisper. It is just an image. It's a, you know, and, and, and you'll also notice that if you hear a yeah but after the whisper or the image, that's also the pattern or the identity trying to pull you away from it. Um, that's how I recognize it. It's good to recognize these things. Mm. <laughs> I always say, we're not just older, we're older and wiser. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. So, so negotiating okay. and the urgency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, you're, if you're negotiating or, or, or there's an urgency, I have to do this. Um, if I don't do this, this won't happen. Or if I do this, this will happen. Whatever it is, that's a pattern. Yeah. And that's where it is really the most powerful time to take that pause. So that's when I say, when I don't know what to do, I do nothing. So that's when I will take a pause and just reconnect back in and just re yeah, really put my hand on my heart and say, what do you want to do right now in this moment? You know, not, 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 not for the next 10 years, but in this very moment right now, what do you want to do? And for me, because I'm a nature girl and, you know, I love being outdoors, it is so often for me, just take a walk. Just go and stand, you know, make a cup of tea and sit in the sun for a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and just, yeah, really connect back to mm. the truth of who you are. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And also I've, I need to hear birds, you know. Hearing birds, right. it just really helps keep me present and grounded. And I love that. So, mm. okay, so you quit your job <laughs> without mm -hmm. a plan. <laughs> without a plan. Yeah, had a quest. <laughs> So then what mm -hmm. happened? It was probably um, maybe three months into having quit my job, two or three months into having quit my job. And when I was back on that mattress that I spoke about, when I got that sort of little glimmer into what it felt to be powerfully peaceful, um, I, had I had spent that night thinking about what have I learned that's gotten me to this point? And I had journaled out what came to be my 49 life lessons that it took me 50 years to learn, unlearn and relearn. That's <laughs> what I called it. And I just kind of had, had them all written out just as, as sentences. And my friend at the time had said to me, this would make a really good book if you actually gave the story from your life as to how you got every one of these lessons. Not just what the lesson is, because to me that's the Eckhart Tolle version, you know, that's the, 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 the high thinking version. But that's, that's great, Mr. Tolle, but how did that apply to a solo mum of two trying to run a business and raise teenagers 
on the Sunshine Coast of Queens, you know, of Queensland. How does that apply? And so I started to do that. I took all these life lessons, these 49 life lessons, and I really dug into it very cathartically it was it was such a cathartic process to dig into each one of those lessons and have a look at what was the the story in my life that really showed really shone a giant spotlight on each one of those lessons so I began to do that and yes I realized that there was a book there you know there was a book there and I also realized Susie which was and I've noticed this so much now is that when I look back over my life, even back to when, my, when I chose to leave my marriage, there were things happening that I had no idea were actually pivotal to the process of writing this book, mm. right? And when I look back, I was able to really reflect and go, that's why that happened. That's why that happened. Now, in the moment, of course, you never know why anything's happening, but reflection is such a powerful tool as well. And, and it's given me some comfort in my life to know that everything that's happening is happening for something far greater than I could ever, ever know. And I may not know in the moment why things are happening the way they're happening, but it's not, an, it's not a mistake that anything is happening. And I take that, you know, I take so much comfort from that these days. So when I was writing my book and began writing my book, I realized that the book had started writing itself right back when I had made that decision to leave my marriage. It had started then. All of this, everything that had happened in that decade had been, yeah, like like one of those medieval quests of, you know, for 10 years she rode her horse out into the plains and yeah, it was kind of like that. It was, um, yeah, and then I ended up going, okay, I'm going to write this book. I didn't know what I was going to be doing, but I'm going to write this book. Oh, and that's that, so, it's so interesting how life works out that way. You don't really understand that you're on the path you're meant to be on. Never. A lot of the time, you know, <laughs> you just don't piece it together. So can you tell us one of the lessons from the book? Let's talk about one of them. Mm, mm. Gosh, there are 49 of them. Um, and often when I'm going through the book or talking to someone, I say, this is my favorite lesson. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that a lot. But probably one of the lessons that, that I do remind myself of often and I think this is really key for women because we are inherently so hard on ourselves. We're our own taskmasters. Even, when, even if we intellectually know we're not perfect, it doesn't stop us striving to have it all together and be perfect. So the lesson is uh, human first, enlightened second. And interestingly, when I asked my daughter during this process, she's 21 now, I asked her, of all the things I've shared with you as a mum, is there any one thing that I've shared that, that helped you in any way? And she said to me, mum, when you told me that I'm human first and enlightened second, that gave me a lot of peace. That gave me permission to know that I can't get anything wrong because I'm always going to think, act, respond, react humanly, first and foremost, even if it's for a second, that's what's going to come first. Then 
it's up to me as to how long it takes me to move into a more enlightened, and I use the word enlightened, but you know, whatever word works for you, into a more enlightened space. And that's been huge for me as well. And I love that that was huge for her because I think we do live a lot of our life unconsciously mm. trying not to be human trying to get it right, trying to make the right decision, trying to not make mistakes, trying to um, get it all perfect. But that's not what we're here for. As human beings, we were never here to get it right. We were never here to be perfect. We were here to have, you know, we're conditioned as humans to have a human experience. And the human experience is about growth and and. And with any kind of growth comes pain at point at, at time, you know, at times. Yeah. There's different levels of pain, but there's always pain with growth. But I think that it can be um, detrimental to our growth if we live in the belief that we shouldn't be human or we try not to be human. We try to just be enlightened all the time. But for us to be enlightened all the time, we would be robots. We wouldn't actually be human beings. So, for example, if I'm driving down the road and someone cuts me off in traffic, again, I remind people all the time, I am not Zen Zen. You know, my first reaction isn't to, you know, put my hands at my heart and go, that's okay. You know, I get there. But my first reaction is a human reaction. It's like, dude, what were you thinking? You just cut me off in traffic. But then I get to shift into, hang on, I don't know what's going on for them right now. They didn't really deliberately, you know. But some of us, sometimes we stay in the, dude, why did you cut me off in traffic? For days, weeks, months. And then we add to that and add to that and add to that. But rather than try not to, to be the person that says, dude, why did you cut me off? Except you are going to say that first and foremost, even if you don't speak it you'll have the thought the thought will be there you know we are we are living in judgment 24 7 we are just good bad good bad good bad we're just judging the world good bad good bad good bad all day long but being in acceptance of that is what it is to be human I think for me at least anyway really gave me a peaceful platform from which to consciously shift into being enlightened and being enlightened just means to me being conscious, taking a power pause, uh, breathing. And I remember one time, this is after I wrote the book, so I want to really share this mm -hmm. with everybody, that just because you know this doesn't mean you won't be human sometimes for long periods of time, consciously knowing that you're still being human. So this was after I wrote the book, after I really knew this and understood this lesson deeply. And I had an argument with my daughter. And for three days, I consciously chose not to speak to my daughter. And for those whole three days, this voice kept saying to me, are you done yet? Are you done yet? Are you, are you ready to transform this moment? Because, you know, clock's ticking. You're not getting this time back. And for three days, I answered that with, no, I'm not ready. I'm mm -hmm. not ready. So I had this completely conscious conversation with my humanness, my enlightenment, my enlightened gen and human gen had this interaction for three days before 
I was able to go, okay, yep. Yeah, I, I totally I'm, get I'm, it. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I can transform this relationship. And, of course, just messaged her and said, honey, I'm so sorry. I really hate when we argue. And, of course, she instantly messages back. And, mom, me too. I hate when we argue. As well. <laughs> so good. So I think it's really important to, to know that we, yeah, we will sometimes still consciously be human. Absolutely. Yeah. And awareness is everything. And I know, um, I know that's so important to you. And would you say that that is the, the point of your, like the main advice you could give women in the middle right now is what they can do to cultivate their own awareness? Yeah. So, so in my book, I, I have the book broken into four sections. To me, I, I call them the four stages of experiential transformation because to me transformation is something that happens in action it's not an intellectual process it's 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 a doing process an actionable process and for me the four stages are awareness acceptance area of control and actualization but the key part, part of that to progress to the next stage the first part of that is key and that is awareness so my offering is always to encourage and invite women and men to cultivate their self-observation skills, spend some time every day practicing being the third party of you. So just spend a couple of minutes here and there where you are almost like having an out-of-body experiencing, watching yourself, listening to your thoughts, watching yourself. And just observe, be in the practice of observing yourself. Yeah, and, that's, so, that, that's so good. So important, you know. I, mm. I always think of a, a cartoon character when I work with, with my community of, of just literally having a thought bubble above your head. And I actually have a thought bubble that goes on my head with a little headband. <laughs> I love that. that. Becoming a watcher of your thoughts is really everything. Awareness is so much the key to just growth, like you said, growth mm -hmm. and, and in your words, to become that, uh, the understand your power as a peaceful woman. So where can we get that book, Jennifer? The book is um, available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, any of your favorite online um, ordering places, you will be able to find it, whichever one works for you. Um, I think you can go into a, a bookstore and they can order a copy, but it's uh, these days, speed-wise, it's probably just easier to jump onto your favorite online book ordering place. Awesome. So it's The Power of a Peaceful Woman. I'll also mm -hmm. have a link uh, to the show notes, in the show notes, and also to your website, www.jenniferforster.com. Jennifer, mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining us today. I love mm -hmm. your story. I love just, you know, how you were able to explain that feeling of knowing something was off and how, you know, your path to figure it out and move forward. And it sounds like you've been happier than you've ever been in your life. Oh, look, totally. And it's interesting to Susie, and this is probably really worth just mentioning just here at the end. Um, you know, there was a time in my life where materialistically, I had so much more than I have right now. But I can also tell you that that was the time I was probably the saddest that I've ever been in my life. So 
yeah, these days, and I'm not saying it's you have to have less to be happy. You don't. But what I now understand is I can have six-figure business and I can have a zero-figure business and I am the one that decides if I'm happy. I get to be the, the creator of my happiness. It, those things are not the reason I'm happy or sad, you know. So, yeah, that, that was, that's really a powerful thing to, to, I think, for people to be reminded of as well. It's not what, it, you know, it's can you have it and not have it? You know, can you, can you um, uh, in the book I say, has it got you or have you got it? Mm. Because if it's got you, you, that's a never-ending cycle of, of tr- again, striving to create happiness that if you stop, it stops. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. The Power of a Peaceful Woman is there to help all of us. Thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon someday. I hope to come to Australia someday. Oh, I would love you to come to Australia. I would love everyone to come to Australia. And I truly have not made it to Canada yet. And I said to Susie at the start, I do have a couple of other friends in Toronto. So I need to get my butt Canada. (laughs) Oh, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much, Jennifer. You're a delight. Thank you. Thank you. So grateful. There you go, my friend. Another amazing woman in the middle doing some pretty courageous stuff and being more intentional about her life. Wasn't Jen's story so interesting? Placing a priority on the cultivation of your self-observation skills can really change your life. And it's a message that you hear pretty consistently on the Women in the Middle podcast. Jennifer did it. She loves her life and lives in her truth. She's happier than she's ever been before. And you can be too. You can learn to do midlife on purpose. All right. My focus as a midlife coach is to help you waste less time spinning and feeling stuck. It's time to get excited about your life again. Being the queen of your brain domain is the best way to be. Check out the show notes with more information and links at susierosenstein.com. Download my free ebook, Nine Secrets to Get Unstuck in Your 50s at www.susierosenstein.com forward slash nine secrets. And if you want to connect more with me in the future, join the free Women in the Middle Community Facebook group where we continue the podcast conversation. Head over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women in the middle community. And if you are ready to finally put yourself first, you can become a first lady. Join my new midlife membership, the Finally First Club. This is an upbeat virtual community for midlife women just like you who want to stop feeling stuck and confused and finally start making the changes that you want in your next chapter. The clarity, courage, and connection you're looking for is only one click away. So join us there now. We're waiting for you. (laughs) Head over to www.iamfinallyfirst.com. Let's do this, ladies. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. 